welcome to the 61st episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with my new friend, Paloma Kimmick, aka Glitter Glucose. If you are new to the show, my name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the host and also co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind blog. As I've shared in the past couple of episodes, I've recently taken the Real Life Diabetes Podcast on the road and met another T1D soul who is also a co-host at the Scottsdale Beyond Type 1 Meetup. In this episode, Paloma shares her self-diagnosis debacle at age 23, dating with diabetes, finding her husband, Kevin, and her very first camping adventure. Her laugh and outlook on life is contagious, and she is as beautiful on the inside as she is glamorous on the outside. My cheeks literally hurt from smiling as we wrapped up this episode. But as always, before I get started, I have to share just a few quick announcements. You know, like I said, my car is always filled with too many shoes, podcast gear, with the intent to meet fellow people living the good life with diabetes. My calendar's open, so hit me up if you want the the show, the podcast, or whatever to come to your neck of the woods. Um, You can hit me up at info at diabetesdailygrind.com. And also, if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, you want to hear your name or your company, I'm always looking for sponsors or advertisers. So hit me up again at the same location, info at diabetesdailygrind.com for more details. Love it if you leave an iTunes review and you can always stay up to date by signing up for the monthly newsletter. Thank you and please continue to love, like, and share all things Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget, as always, to click the Amazon banner on the right side of the Diabetes Daily Grind website before shopping. They are kind enough to throw a little change my way and keep the episodes coming. As always, got to get through all that. Enough rambling. Let's get things started with my new friend, Paloma. Welcome to the show, and for the listeners out there, um, unfortunately, Paloma and I are not sitting across from each other, even though we did meet in Scottsdale. Um, it was just too short of time, and she's a busy lady, so uh, I'm happy to have <laughs> her on the phone today. So thanks, Paloma, for joining me. No, thank you for having me. I'm glad we did get to meet in person, and nice that we finally have some time set aside to talk. I know. So let me let me just say to the listeners, because this is the last podcast, and I did my best to um, just kind of talk about it. I took um, the show on the road and went to Scottsdale, Arizona, um, to be a part of a Beyond Type One meetup. And Paloma was one of the kind hostesses. And you want to tell them a little bit about um, how you got involved with that? Yes. So I, when I was diagnosed, I just felt so alone. I felt like nobody understood me, and I just happened to stumble across the online diabetes community and I decided to make it my mission to not let anyone else feel alone like I once did. So I just completely dove into any organization that would accept me <laughs> and Beyond Type 1 was one of those organizations. So I, um, they have a council of 
influencers in the diabetes space, and it's called mm-hmm. the Global Ambassador Council. And um, by being on that council, I'm able to plan these big meetups and have the support of Beyond Type 1. Love it. And it was such a fun time. How, do you do you know how many people showed up for that event? I know that there were 70 RSVP'd, but I'm not sure how many were there. It was a great turnout, and I will say that there were people of all ages and people with type 1 and um, also parents. There were a couple of parents that came out, some without children, so that was nice to see as well. Yes, that was nice. My mom was there. She made (laughs) friends with the other moms. Her whole family was there. (laughs) Yeah, they were there working. My husband checks people in. My sister does whatever I need. (laughs) They were a lot of fun. Yeah, they're used to having to be part of my glitter glucose world that they're more than happy to support. Well, you're, you're very fortunate to have such a supportive family. And I want to say that while I was in Scottsdale just for that short time, Plum and I had the opportunity to sit and have dinner together. And it was after a whirlwind of a day. I'd already recorded a podcast and we carved out a little bit of time. And during that brief time together, you shared with me your diagnosis story, which is very different for mine and for many people that, for diagnosis at a young age. So, Paloma, will you share a little bit about your diagnosis? Yes. So, first of all, I was diagnosed as an adult when I was 23. So, I had just been feeling bad for a while. I think we all know that, you know, the typical symptoms, like mm-hmm. super thirsty, frequent urination, and extreme fatigue. And um, I finally Googled it because I was tired of going to the bathroom all the time. (laughs) And um, it said diabetes. And I don't, I think the word diabetes, not a lot of people understand it. And my mind went straight to what I think a lot of people think. And it's just, you're fat, you're lazy, you know, you ate too much sugar. And that's not what diabetes is at all. But I just thought, oh, my gosh, look what I've done to myself. I can't believe this happened. And then I went to the doctor, told him, I think I have diabetes. He said, yes, you do have diabetes. And he's like, so you're going to go home and you're going to go to the pharmacy and get insulin. And then I'll see you in six months. And I was like, okay, well, this isn't such a big deal. Like, no big deal. Um, And I actually, and, you know, he you know, I was type one, and he. Did they just um, prick your finger? I mean, and what was your blood sugar? Do you recall? I think it was four twenty. Okay. And they did check like A one C there, and it was like eleven. And yeah. I mean, how am I supposed to know what that means at that right. time? <laughs> right. And so um, he gave me a glucometer, and he said, "Check your blood sugar once in the morning, and that's it." And <laughs> Then he sent my insulin prescription to the pharmacy, and I picked it up. And the pharmacist looked at me when I was picking it up, and she's like, do you know how to use this? And I'm like, no, I don't actually. Sorry. Hold on. It's okay. Just like... Sorry. This is the real world, people. This is the real world. Yeah. <laughs> He's very excited to see your cat. Um, But a lot of people who know me, they're big fans of Kevin. They love to see Kevin sometimes more than they love to see me. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, But back to the serious story here. Um, 
So the pharmacist noticed that I um, had no idea what I was doing, and she took me into her back office and showed me how to drop insulin. And I was like, okay, like this is not that big of a deal. I went home, and once it came down to the syringe, I thought, okay, I'm a little bit scared. I called my sister who lived an hour away just so she can give me the injection. She did come, and that was that. And so I just well, hold thought. Hold on. Let me, let me just, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, this is yeah. so crazy to me. I mean, you went home with a drug that can kill you. Yes. Uh, with little to no direction, did they give you, like, hey, give seven units in the morning or, you know, what, any instruction as to dosage? All he said was take, like, I think it was, like, 20 or something units of Lantus at night, and that was it. So I didn't know what that meant, and I just thought, okay, well, my life's just, okay, prick my finger in the morning, and then I take this injection at night, and I just live life as usual. I didn't know about eating carbs. Like, he never mentioned eating differently or, or counting carbs or injecting insulin or anything. So I was like, wow, this is not, this is pretty easy. And obviously I never felt any better. (laughs) Um, I still felt terrible. And I just thought, this is just how I am. This is just how I'm going to feel for the rest of my life. Right. And um, at the time, thankfully, my sister was in med, uh, in school to be a nurse And she was starting to pick up on signs like, I don't think we're doing this right. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to, it was my primary care doctor who diagnosed me. And so um, I reached out to him and said, hey, I think I want to see a specialist because I'm not feeling any better. And he's like, oh, he's like, I don't think you need it. I think you're doing fine. And I'm thankful that I was like, no, I mean, you're doing a great job. I think you're great, but I just want to get the specialist. And so even though he was hesitant, he did refer me. And from there, I was opened up to, oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it was. It's like going from kindergarten to college in one sitting. I mean, seriously. And, like, I I have told you this, that, you know, and I always say this, even though the sequence of events probably wasn't what it should have been, I feel like for me personally, I'm a little bit happy that that's how it happened because I didn't go through the initial shock, like, wow, my, you know, like, (laughs) I can't believe this is happening. I was just like, okay, this is easy. Okay, it's harder than I thought. Oh, okay, it's actually really hard. (laughs) This is a full-time job. (laughs) Yeah. So I think for my mentality, even though it's not recommended, I think for me personally it was ideal to ease into it. Right. So so now you've seen an endocrinologist, you get a better handle on what to do. Did you struggle with that? I mean, because it's a lot to take on in the beginning. It, I felt really good right away after I started taking mealtime insulin. Like, I just felt like a new person. I felt like I had life again. And I was just like, wow, I was wrong. Like, I don't have to feel like 
crap for the rest of my life. Right. I forgot that I used to feel good. And so once I started on the mealtime, it was just kind of, um, it was just really like eye-opening. And I thought, I need to keep up with this. I I remember this feeling. I want to be able to feel good. Mm-hmm. So um, that was really my motivation. Okay, so as somebody who was diagnosed as a child, and people are always like, oh, I feel so bad. You got robbed of your childhood and things like that. And I've always seen it as a more positive thing, kind of with the same attitude as, you know, I really didn't remember life before it. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like I was being, nothing was taken from me. So being 23, having your, your, have you graduated from college at this point? Yes, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, those are years that we, so how did you transition your life? Like what were some quick fixes as well, an adult? Yes. Well, since I was feeling so bad for so long, and at the time I was, I'm married now, but I was married to someone else. So me feeling bad and just like, being a bump on a log for so right. long just put such a huge strain on our marriage. I was diagnosed in April and I was divorced by October. Mm. So that was a whole nother situation in itself that was just bringing me down. And I mm-hmm. think it was like, I think it was like almost a year later that I had finally seen the endocrinologist but it was just like, okay, at this point, I feel like, thank goodness my cousin is out of my life. Thank goodness at the time I had a job that was very flexible. I worked mm-hmm. on my own schedule, and I just thought all the bad has gone, and I just felt like it was a fresh start. So I just felt like a completely brand-new woman, and at this point, it's like, okay, like, I don't have anyone else to cook for. I could just cook my own <laughs> meals that are healthy, that I like. And, you know, I, since I worked so freely at my job, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't have like a, a husband that I have to be home at a certain time by to, you know, and mm-hmm. join him for dinner. So it's like, I would just take my time and take so many breaks <laughs> like during my day job. But, you know, I know that that's not possible for everyone, but I just right. felt like, like, you know, the bright lights were finally starting to come in. And I'm like, wow, I'm a new person. Like, who am I? I don't, like, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen the photos of, like, um, the first, you know, Frederick Banting, the creator yeah, of insulin. Yeah. There's a picture of a child that was, like, basically dying before insulin was discovered. And then they show his photo a few years later, and he's a completely different person with new life brought to him. That's almost like how I felt, just shedding all the negativity plus being on this new regimen that actually helps me feel good. You know, it's so – I'm just um, in awe that you can – that you have that perspective. And because I feel like – not everybody can pull themselves up by the bootstraps and be like, all right, this is what we've got to do. And, um, but I really applaud that for you. And hopefully you're an inspiration for a lot of other people that, you know, we all have those very dark moments living with the disease and in life in general. And it's, you know, a matter of, I'm not going to say attitude because there are a lot of other factors there, but you were able to overcome it. And, you know, talking about that. So for the listeners, if you're not familiar with glitter glucose um, on Instagram and other social media, she's, 
very entertaining and just like her voice always has a smile. And um, so what other things, positive things that come out of your life um, living with Pac-1? Oh, my gosh. So many things. I always say, obviously, I wish I didn't have type 1. Type 1 is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But in turn, I have gained so many things. Like It's given me a purpose. And I just feel like I was dealt these cards because um, it was known that I would be able to handle it and that I would be the person that can um stay strong and stay positive mm-hmm. and see the bright side. And through type one, I've just made so many friends that it's insane. It's <laughs> like pretty crazy. Was, yeah. It's so crazy. Like I was in Texas last week and um, there's a family who lives in Houston and they have a five-year-old with type one and their dad also has type one. And I invited myself to their house. because their daughter loves pink and she loves tutus and I brought my tutu and we played dress up and I let them do my makeup and it's like I would never be in this house with these girls if I didn't have type one and I just um had worked in fashion for I think eight years at the Mm -hmm. time that I got diagnosed and um or six years, sorry. And I just thought that's what I would always do. And although I did enjoy it, I feel like I can still do that and, you know, have my purpose to help others beyond what I thought I could. It's like you blended two things, your love of fashion and blogging and things like that with your life with diabetes and fire other people. Right. And like my biggest thing is like, I am me first and like a person with diabetes second. And Mm -hmm. I just, I want to show people like, I love fashion. I love to be girly. I love to do this. I love to do that. And whatever is that, whatever it is that you like to do that brings you happiness, Mm -hmm. you can still do it. Like diabetes is just a small part of your life. It's not all of you. Like you're a person with diabetes instead of just a diabetic. Well, and that was something I was reading today, and we've talked about it over and over again, but the word diabetic, you know, and of course, we, as we all know, diabetes doesn't define me, and saying the word diabetic can be for some people. So does it offend you when somebody calls you a diabetic? It doesn't offend me at all. I know that there are people who get offended by it. I personally don't, because in the reality, I am a diabetic, but... Right. I just feel like I'm just so many other things. Yeah. So, um, I mean, the reality is it's the truth, (laughs) so that's why I'm not bothered by it, but I'm just, like, way beyond that. Well, it's so funny, too, with that, the word diabetic. You know, I I had it tattooed on my arm. I mean, and I didn't even realize it was offensive until someone brought it to my attention, and I was like, oh, my gosh, now I've got to be PC about diabetes, too. And it's like, ah. (laughs) And it's like... And, you know, I kind of think about it. I, there's no reason to get upset about it. If you say the word diabetes, I'm probably going to laugh because it's totally <laughs> ridiculous. But, you know, there's so many different ways to say diabetes, apparently. So, yeah. Well, That's so funny. <laughs> so you spent some time in Dallas. Did you speak at the JDRF event or just... I did. I was on a panel with um, a few other diabetic influencers. And so um, it, it was a social media panel and we mm-hmm. kind of just spoke about our expertise. And for me, I, the 
subject of relationships always seems to come up mm-hmm. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I'm talking. Um, so I got to talk about that, and it, it was a, a really, really great time. I got to meet a lot of diabetes in person, and it just <laughs> it just reminded me like I'm doing. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, I understand that. You know, let me ask you, um, because it was only a couple of years ago that I went to my first JDRF summit, and I don't know if I spoke at that one, the very first one or not. I don't think I did, but being in a room with so many children that have it, like, I got so emotional, and I don't know if it was just a connection, but do Mm -hmm. you ever feel like when you're in a setting like that that you get emotional or, you know, because you're around people that get it. Right. And I totally, totally remember the first time I saw another person with diabetes. It was a child and she was wearing the T-Slim insulin pump, which is what I use. And Mm -hmm. it was just like so weird because I'm like, I've only seen that device on my own body. Like I've (laughs) never seen it on someone else. And it's just like, even I'm 20 years, 20 years older than this person, like, we just can connect on so yeah. many levels. And at the summit, I actually got to be a special guest for kids, yo- uh, kids Zumba. So <laughs> I was in a room with 80 children doing Zumba. <laughs> and, you know, it was just, it was so fun. But it does make me, like, kind of emotional because during Zumba, this little girl comes up to me and and she's like, I think I'm low. I think I'm low. And she's like shaking. So Mm. it's like, I wish that like she didn't have to go through that. You know, I wish that nobody had to go through it, but I think we all have a soft spot for the little ones, especially. Uh, Yeah. Gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who has, both of her sons have type one and she made a comment recently because we got together that the youngest, I don't know what exactly he said, but it was like, when am I going to be like everybody else? It was like something that he could grow out of um, mm-hmm. because he was really young. Um, and just, I, you know, I never had that mentality, but I, you know, gosh, that just, to feel different is one thing, but then to think that there's no, you know, it just really made me sad. But Yes, I saw one of my um, mom friends, her daughter asked her, like, am I still going to have diabetes when I grow up? Yeah. And... I'm just like, oh, I wish the answer could be no. Um, <laughs> and also, like, I feel like I relate a lot to the little ones, even though I'm almost 30 <laughs> years old, um, you know, with loving the pink and loving the glitter. I have yeah. a lot of moms who follow me, and um, they love to show my photos to their daughters. And when I got married uh, two and a half years ago, I posted a photo of me checking my blood sugar in my wedding dress. Mm-hmm. And I thought, of course, this is a moment I want to share with my followers. But the response that I got from it was not when I was expecting. It was overwhelming the amount of mothers who sent, like, emotional messages just saying, like, they can't wait for that to be their daughters. And it just right. gives them hope that their daughters are going to grow up and be, like, successful young women, you know, going through their wedding day, and it was just, I'm so glad that that moment was captured and I was able to share with so many moms that it was just a special moment for the both of us. That's, that is very well said, and i got to say, because the first time in my life that something had happened to me, and it was at the Scottsdale meetup. Um, one of the other women that was there, 
that came from um, Utah. Uh-huh. She came up and we started chatting. And I can't think of her name off the top of my head. Azure. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And so she was like, you're the only person here that's had diabetes as long as I have. And so we were kind of laughing about that. And then some moms came up to us and said, we just had to meet you because you give us hope. Yes. And I'm like, like, oh, my gosh, wow. Yes. Like seeing you, being able to, being able to touch you and see you, you're alive, <laughs> yeah. you're well, you're doing I have my right. Eyesight, right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's just almost like a tangible thing for parents to give them hope for their children. You know, that's something that I'm working on right now as a side project is that, you know, if the doctors, and granted your doctor was very different from the <laughs> average one, you know, yes. didn't give you the death sentence um, diagnosis, you know, that life can be fine and stuff like that because nobody wants to live in fear. And when you go to the doctor, everybody's scared anyway, especially when you're there for a problem. So, you know, I really hope that in my lifetime that, the diagnosis situation is a more, I'm not going to say pleasant one, but more positive experience. Oh, for sure. So since, you know, you mentioned that the married life, so you're newly married to Kevin. I had the pleasure of meeting him. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> he was working, helping us out. Um, so tell me about dating, because I get this question a lot, dating and type 1 diabetes in your 20s. Yes. So I actually was at a meetup and a girl came up to me and said, I've been dating my boyfriend for a year. When should I tell him I have diabetes? <laughs> and that was just shocking. Yeah. Like, one, I'm concerned for you because do you not feel safe enough to tell him? Like, what's right. stopping you? Like, and she's just like, I just don't know that he would still want to be with me. And I think, I mean, for an outsider listening in, we're all thinking, just leave him. <laughs> He's not the right. right one. If that's how you feel, like like that could break your relationship. But um, I dated a lot <laughs> before <laughs> before I got to find my husband, and I just you know I always feel like diabetes. You set the tone. It's your diabetes. So right. you can set the tone. You set the boundaries. So whenever I, you know, first dates are usually over a meal, over a coffee, over dinner. So yeah. I would, and at the time I didn't have a CGM and I did have an insulin pump. And um, I would just pull out my meter, just like very casually be like, oh, by the way, I have type 1 diabetes. You don't want to lay it all on right away. <laughs> but I mean, people need to know, no matter yeah. if it's your coworkers or if it's, you know, someone you're dating just for safety reasons, really. But, um, you know, I never felt like someone was like, oh, wow, like I could never be with someone who lives with this because I never made them feel like doom and gloom and like right. terrible and, oh, my gosh, you have to deal with me forever. Like, right. no, that's not the tone that I set. I said, like, this is what I deal with. This is how, you know, I get by day to day. And, um, you know, and then once I was more serious in relationships, then I can, you know, set boundaries or, you know, and everyone's boundaries are different. Like for myself, I only want Kevin to know enough to help me in an emergency, but not right. to know enough to helicopter me. You oh, know? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but that might be different for others. So it's your diabetes, you set the tone and you set the boundaries is what 
the advice that I always give. I have to tell you a funny story just because in dating and you having to pull out your, um, your tester and whatever. I was on a date a couple of years ago. First, it was a blind date for the most part. <laughs> and, of course, yeah, we're eating, about to eat a great meal, and I pulled out and uh, test my blood sugar. And I was like, ah, you know, again, like you, I have type 1 diabetes. And he was like, oh, yeah, my uncle died of diabetes. I'm like, son of a bitch. Here we go. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> but he did say, and it was kind of funny, and we went on many more dates. He was actually a pretty pleasant guy. But he um, – at one point, he was like, you know, it's a, I have a family history of this, type 2, obviously, and um, the way that he presented it. And he was like, that's my blood sugar. You know, he wanted to know. And I was oh like, my gosh. okay, let's do this. You know, it was kind of like this weird, we're obviously not together, but it was one of those just, you got to roll with punches. It's an opportunity to educate and, you know, yes. hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, like, uh, I put on... Um, a CGM on my husband for a week and I wore one and we try to eat like the same things and kind of see, you know, just for him to like live the life and know what it was. And I asked him like, do you feel weird out in public with people seeing it? And, Mm -hmm. you know, just like giving them that sort of perspective, but it, it was just, it just caused a lot of jealousy that he could eat uh, all the cookies and be at 80 still. So. <laughs> His functioning pancreas. Uh, yes, is my thing. yes. <laughs> well, so you've been married for a couple of years, and I hate asking this, but do you all, um, do you have any intention of having a family? Besides we don't. Cat, besides right. <laughs> um, we don't have an intention of that. I feel like my husband is a baby in himself. <laughs> it's He's a lot of work, and I'm perfectly happy just taking care of my husband, taking care of my cat. I think that's enough on my plate. <laughs> you got to share your cat story because I giggled so much when you were telling me about Because you were not a cat person originally, correct? I was not, no. I... I've always, so I grew up on a farm, which is kind of shocking for some people to hear, but um, I always had dogs, and they were like outdoor dogs, kind of like guard dogs, Mm -hmm. and um, I loved them, and so we never had cats because we had chickens, and cats like chickens, (laughs) (laughs) and so um, my husband really wanted a cat and my niece had a cat that she needed to rehome and against my will he took the cat (laughs) in and I was like I'm so upset I hate cats I don't want this cat but I quickly fell in love and I'm like how could I ever think that about you (laughs) and then I got another one and I'm obsessed with them I'm a crazy cat lady (laughs) crazy cat lady against your will and you know what I say it's I think it's so funny how you said no, I believe that I grew up on a farm. If you have not seen a picture of her, she's very glammed out girl. And I mean, just, I mean, you wouldn't picture that for farm life. I think that's so funny. No, not at all. Were you always girly like that? I was. And, you know, I can actually think back to, and I remember this, being in preschool, and I would wear, like, these huge, like, dresses like so poofy (laughs) and my teacher actually pulled my mom aside when she was dropping me off and said I can't wear those anymore because I make the other girls jealous Ah. and and my mom said no she she's still gonna wear what she wants to wear (laughs) god love you mom (laughs) yes so I was just 
always like that. Wearing my ball gowns out for the chickens, I guess. <laughs> we need to see. You need to send me a picture of you as a kid on the farm. I just I have this funny visual, and I think it's anywho. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. So something along those lines too, because you just posted something recently about attending. I don't know how long ago it was a slipstream event, right? Yes. Yes. I've been following this for a while, and I'm fascinated. And just like you, as you say, like, I've never been camping. The fear of that, like, so you were vulnerable and you went out there. So tell me about that experience. Yes. So um, Connected in Motion is a a Canadian uh, organization who puts on these camps for adult type ones. And um, they had invited me in the past, but recently they teamed up with Beyond Type 1 to make them even bigger and better. And mm-hmm. being a council member at Beyond Type 1, I felt like, I don't want to do this. I'm not. They're kind of go camping. Like, I can't do it, but it's for Beyond Type 1, and I'm just going to do it. And I thought, I'll go. But um, I even sent, like, the executive director, uh, Jen Hansen, um, a note and was like, what are, what are the activities? Like, I'm, I want to go, but I don't think I can keep up. And she assured me like, no, it's at your own pace. You do whatever you want to do. And they have a lot of like physical activities, but they also have a lot of breakout sessions that are, um, very interesting. Like I took one about like alternative, um, therapies for beyond, Mm -hmm. uh, for not beyond type one, (laughs) for, (laughs) for type one and, just like uh, how to read your CGM data and so many interesting things. So hmm. I, when I was getting ready to go, first of all, I didn't have any athletic wear or any like camp stuff. So I had to go <laughs> shopping for that. And then I thought I'll just bring like my journal and like my computer. And in case I don't want to participate, mm-hmm. I'll just work while I'm there. And let me tell you, I never pulled out my computer or my work because, <laughs> I was actually having a lot of fun, and it was just completely out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But I'm going again because I enjoyed it so much. And um, there was a ropes course, and mm-hmm. I thought, I'm going to go, and I'm going to watch everybody. And, and I sat there watching everyone for almost the entire time. I think it was like an hour time, and I probably – 45 minutes I sat there watching and I thought I'm not going to do it but then I thought you know this would be good Instagram content (laughs) (laughs) so I actually climbed up it it was like a telephone pole that you climb up and you stand on top of the pole like at the very top and then you have to jump off and And catch you have to catch it yeah you have to catch like your ring and I was like, well, I'm not even going to be strong enough to get up the pole, yeah. much less jump off. But I actually made it to the top, and I, it was so fun and so great. And I did not catch the ring, but, <laughs> the, yes, it was just – and it was just so empowering. Like, I thought I wasn't strong enough. I thought I was weak, and I was doubting myself, and I actually made it. So – I, it was, I've sent so many messages to Connected Emotion and Beyond Type 1 saying, like, this was so great. Like, I can't believe I did this. And so um, they have four locations this year, and I'll be back again to the Southern California one. Nice. Well, I've been very interested in those and just 
financially just didn't have it in me to be able to travel. But I got to say something on that, on the ropes course, because in 2010, I can't even remember, I think 2010, I was a part of a group called Leadership Norman, which is my hometown, and all business professionals, whatever, and one of our, many, one of our sessions was a ropes course. And it was one of those things where I was already nervous about being having diabetes in that setting because mm-hmm. it, it was a, it just, it, I wasn't able at that point to really speak about it. But then we did the ropes course and, uh, you know, I'm thinking my heart is pounding to, to do some of these things. I'm like, what if my blood sugar drops out? What if it's dropping out? I didn't have a CGM at that point. You know, what am I going to do and all these things? And it was in reflection afterwards. We all went for a happy hour after the event and everyone was really proud of themselves. And to see, I hate to say this, a large grown man get emotional trying to do the same things that I am, and it's such a physical struggle, an emotional struggle, I shared the fact that, that a lot of the feelings made me feel like my blood sugar was bottoming out. And how that experience was very different for me, and it was one of those things that, it was very eye-opening for me, because I was right. so stressed about my diabetes, and not just falling off the pole, you know? (laughs) Right, right. It was scary for more than one reason. (laughs) Right, and I'm sure if I had a CDM, my blood sugar was probably 500 because of the adrenaline and, like, the stress (laughs) of the whole thing. So maybe I need to do a race course again in the future just to track that. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, just one of those many reminders about, you know, little things that pop up in your life with the disease. So four more, Southern California. Anything else um, coming down the pipeline anytime soon? I... As far as, like, events? Yeah. Yeah, well, I am so excited because it's always been, like, a dream of mine to be able to travel around and, like, meet my diabetes because when I first started my Instagram and started making friends with people, there wasn't, like, meetups and these sort of things. So um, I remember that I had a trip planned to LA when I, I think I had like 4,000 followers at the time mm-hmm. and I was going to LA and I thought that I have talked to so many people from LA. So I planned my own meetup without it being like, like it was like the fast like, thing, you know, it wasn't right, right. Like, now it's like, Oh, you have a flyer and you know, you share it on Facebook and you share it with everybody. Mm-hmm. I just personally reached out to everyone who I knew on like that followed me who lived in LA. And I think it was like, maybe like 13 or 14 girls and we all met up at my friend Connie's house. And actually my friend Connie, she's also type one. Um, she has a page called low carb delights. Um, she, I had never met her and, and I told her I wanted to meet her and other uh, diabetes and she let us all come to her house. Yeah, that's so and cool. It, <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, that's the power of type one. You just connect with people on another yeah. level and she welcomed us into her home. But um, that was my first experience and it was just life changing. And now um, last year I got to travel a few places and meet my diabetes. But this year I have a lot of events on the calendar. Good. I think yeah, the next place I'm going to be is Chicago, and then I'll be in Pittsburgh, and then Orlando. So I'm really excited because I've never been to Florida or Pennsylvania, and it's just so great that I get to meet all these people who have made a difference in my life in online, but mm-hmm. now in real life. It is, it's really it's really powerful to be in a setting like that, and. Um, to be sitting with people, it's a weird connection, not, not one that you ever asked for, but you, you feel it when you get there, you know? 
for sure. Because, you know, in, in daily life, it's rare that you get to just, you know, I can talk to my husband about diabetes all I want. Right. Who knows what he's even going to understand. <laughs> but, um, you know, so when I was in, in Dallas last week, um, my friend who doesn't have diabetes, Lee, she came with me. And so she she had diabetes all weekend long. <laughs> like, so we went to a meetup and... You know, I was concerned that, you know, she was getting bored and all that mm-hmm. because we're all talking about diabetes and such. And then when we left, she's like, I'm really glad that I came because I really got to see you light up and talk about these things that I had no idea what they mm. were. But, you know, the way that you lit up when you got to share about uh, things and then hear them say, me too, you know, that happened yeah. to me too. She's like, it was really special for her to see that. So. It, and you go ahead, sorry. No, no, it's just so great that I have, like, a, a supportive friend like that. Well, and, you know, something I said recently to a group of young people with diabetes is, and some that, that don't like to show off, and I'm not going to say show off, but have their CGMs or pumps present, um, were visible, I should say. And I was like, you know, just think about how alone you feel with that. So maybe next time you see someone that has the hair that you recognize, you can introduce yourself and say, you know, not that I get it, but hey, I've got type one too. Because you never know if they're on an island and don't have a diabetes online community or a T one D meetup group or something like that. So I think that it's a great opportunity for all of us to be a little bit more compassionate compassionate for um fellow people with diabetes. For sure. And I know that it's initially hard, you know, like I remember the first time I ever wore my pump on the outside, I um I was in, I was out of town in Sedona and I was wearing a dress that like just wasn't going to hold my insulin pump where I normally do, where it doesn't show. And I remember being so nervous, like driving to the restaurant and thinking all these thoughts in my head, like, oh my gosh, everyone's going to be looking at it. And then I have to think like I'm a robot and what are, like, I was just thinking, what will they think of me? Yeah. And and I actually, once I stepped in there and realized, like, nobody cares, first of all, yeah. <laughs> um, it was just such a relief. And even sometimes now when I wear it outside and, and people ask questions, you know, I think they're mm-hmm. more curious about CGMs, but um, when I wear my pump on the outside, they're just like, oh, what is that? Or someone thought it, I was wearing a a microphone pack like I was on a reality show. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like I, you know, I just don't feel embarrassed anymore, but I can understand how people do because I felt that once upon a time too yeah. until I got brave enough and just let go of all those feelings. But, um, you know, I wear the Freestyle Libre and I get a lot of weird questions about that one. <laughs> like I understand. Lady, yeah, some lady stopped me and told me I had a bottle cap stuck to my arm. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and thank my, you for stopping me. I mean, if you care yes, enough, you know. <laughs> yes, thanks for telling me I have a piece of trash on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, no, but yeah, I, and then it's nice to use those moments to spread awareness, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. thanks, actually, it's a medical device. I have type 1 diabetes and it helps me monitor my blood sugar, you know, and it doesn't have to go any further than that, but at least now she knows. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, yeah, definitely the CGM, and I've never had an insulin pump, so I can't relate to that, but um, the, the comments that come from... You mean you can watch your blood sugar? And I'm like, yeah, I don't have to prick my fingers anymore. You know, and that's what everybody is always saying. Yeah, I mean, and again, seeing trends. I mean, it's, I really am, I'm incredibly grateful for my Dexcom and um, and the advancements. I mean, there are so many more things that are coming out. I know there's one now that you can have implanted. I don't really understand that, but um, lots of literature there as well. I know Amy Hedricks, I think, is the one she did a trial with that, but um well, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. And you know, on that, too, just like going to your doctor who didn't know anything about diabetes, I encourage you to listen to this. Do your research because there are a lot of insulin pumps out there, um, and everybody has the one that they love the most for various reasons. So you ask your doctor about it. You know, they, you get to dictate, in my mind, what um, diabetes regimen you want to follow. So. For sure. I had an experience with that because when I finally went to the endocrinologist and they kept saying, you know, you should really wear an insulin pump, I didn't know what insulin pump was. I didn't know what it Mm -hmm. looked like. And so my doctor's like, okay, we're going to start you on one. And I said, okay. And at that point, I didn't even know I had options. So they brought in a rep for a company and, um, <laughs> Believe it and yeah, and, um, she was just like, okay, this is what you're going to do. And, and this was my red flag because, I mean, I just thought this is just, you know, I, for someone who needs like a heart monitor, like, yeah, I don't know if there's different types of heart monitors or, right. you know, different brands or ones that have different features. So I just thought, okay, this is just an insulin pump. This is what I'm going to use. And so then I asked her to like see it. And I was just like, oh, what does it look like? And she like barked back at me and was like, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It's just like about helping your life and all this. And I was like, okay, red flag. And um, so then like I, if that wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have even looked into other options because I didn't know there were other options. Right. But after I had a bad taste in my mouth, I I um, talked to my sister about it, and I she said, I think there are other companies. Why don't you, like, ask your doctor if she has other brochures? And so I asked my doctor, and even she was hesitant. She was like, hmm. no, I think this is one you should use. And I said, no, just give me everything. <laughs> right. So you just kind of have to be your own advocate. And that pump, like, it could have turned out that that one was the right one for me, but I did my research and I thought, you know, I like this one. I think this one's right for my personality. Right. And I think right. that everyone has one that's right for their personality. And same with CGMs and, you know, even using pens versus, you know, it's just, it can be perfectly tailored to what's right for you. So don't let anyone else tell you what's right for you. Very well said. Very well said. Um, I have to tell you because of the insulin pen. So when I left Scottsdale, I went to Santa Fe for a couple of days 
Mm-hmm. And it ended up extending my, I'm going to say vacation. It was more like a, just take a deep breath. Um, and I ran out of insulin. Oh, wow. Because I used an insulin pen and I couldn't, anywho, that's my own fault. Nobody's to blame but me. So I had to scramble to try to get insulin while in Santa Fe. And the ph- my pharmacy wasn't connecting with the pharmacy close to me. CVS didn't take my insurance. It was that's a whole other podcast, but (laughs) um, it's one of those, like, just as we are both advocates for this disease, things have got to change. Things have got to change. Oh, for sure. And, you know, and I think that also goes to say, like, you've had diabetes, is it 26 years? 36. Oh, 36? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, even in sees it as you, you know, we can still forget things or we can still like make mistakes or we're not perfect no matter how long we've had diabetes and that's okay. And there's so much to it. I mean, God, what? so much. I actually have a funny story of my friend who he's a veterinarian and he um, has type one and he went on vacation and and he forgot his insulin also. And um, he, since he's a veterinarian, he had the luxury of calling the pharmacy and saying his dog needs insulin. And so, <laughs> so he sent in a prescription for his dog and then was able to pick it up for himself. <laughs> he, that is so lucky. Oh, yes. my gosh. That is so, he said he was, like, on an island, you know, so, like, there wasn't you know, a ton of pharmacies. Yeah. And so he just oh. said, I'm a vet and the dog needs insulin. And <laughs> I'm like, that is so funny. That's thinking quick on your feet. Well, that's exactly what I was going to think. You, when, when you come into desperate times, you, have, you get creative. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I was out for a walk one day. It was after Halloween, and I, I could tell my blood sugar was plummeting. And I saw a piece of candy on the street, and I'm like, dude. I may have to eat that piece of candy. That <laughs> rock. I was like, whatever it takes, you know. Oh my gosh! Yes, I think we've all had moments of desperation. Well, and I think the theme throughout this poem, especially with your attitude, is that even in a moment of darkness, you got to see a little bit of light, and whatever crap happens, things are going to get better. You know, for sure. It's. One moment at a time and, like, a bad moment doesn't mean, like, your life is bad. Right. Right. Just ride through it. Well, <laughs> yes. I know that um, I'm sure you've got to get going. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners? I, my biggest piece of advice, because I've been through it, is just that you have to get connected with others who mm-hmm. live with type 1. Like, There's just no greater feeling than being able to talk to someone and them saying, me too, or I can help you, or it's the diabetes community has changed my Mm -hmm. life in so many ways. Like I I said earlier, I can talk to my husband all I want about diabetes. I can Mm -hmm. talk to my sister who's a nurse, but just like you know, even this conversation with you today, being able to laugh at certain things that other people won't understand or being able to vent or just share anything. Like I encourage others to 
connect with. And and I say this to anyone. So even if you don't have diabetes and, and you know, you're a lawyer, like connect with other lawyers and, right. you know, get to learn from each other because, you know, you can do so much by yourself, but it's just so much greater in numbers. Absolutely. So that is what I want. To re, uh, listeners to walk away from, to reach out to someone, look for events, and just get connected. Yeah, and with the Diabetes Online community, I mean, any of the social media outlets, you can find someone. And I have to say, with the way that you worded that, you know, Ryan Fightmaster, who used to be my business partner in the Diabetes Daily Grind, he was my lifeline. I had never spoken about the disease until I met him. And then to be able to lean on someone in times of need, because I'd never had that person, mm-hmm. was life-changing. I mean, he helped me put on my very first CGM. You know, everybody needs that person in their life. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. And if you don't have that person, Paloma and I are here for you. (laughs) Oh, for sure. I'm like, I'll always make a new diet, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I put out some stuff on social media if anybody had any questions. I think the very first question was, when can she come to Oklahoma? And so um, maybe we'll be seeing her in our neck of the woods soon. Definitely not through tornado season. We'll spare you that. No. Have you come in the fall? <laughs> no, yes. I'm like, I will go wherever diabetes takes me. <laughs> me too. I live that same motto. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Paloma. And I will be sure to include all of your social media links and other things like that. And I want to thank you for taking time. And it was a pleasure to meet you in person, and as always, fun to chat with you on the phone. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a great week. You too. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Well, I don't know about you, but I left recording this episode with a smile on my face And for some reason, the desire to purchase something girly and even maybe glittery, which is a real stretch for me. (laughs) I always enjoy hearing from others living their best life, and I'm truly blessed to be living the dream and capturing the stories of fellow people living with diabetes. Even though we have all been diagnosed with the same disease, whether that's type 1 or type 2, our journeys, management, and mindset are very different. I hope that each episode of this podcast opens new doors for you and helps you better understand what life is like living with this disease. I'm doing everything I can to keep the episodes coming, and we'll be sharing a sneak peek as to future guests in the newsletter, so don't forget to sign up. Oh, and that makes me think, hmm, do you have a story to share? I'm always looking for new podcast guests, and right now I'm short in men. A lot of women are stepping up, and I appreciate that. And if that, if that happens to be the case, hit me up at info at diabetesdailygrind.com. And as always, don't forget to stay up to date on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, And always, don't be shy. Shoot me a message. Comment on something. You know, it's your feedback that helps keep this thing going and also, um, I think, inspires others to do the same. And we, when we're questioning things and are throwing things out there, I think that it's just for the betterment of all of us living with this disease. So, I appreciate you listening and I look forward to future episodes. So, that's a wrap. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. You got to watch what you're eating You're gonna watch it every day What do you call it? What do you call it? Is it diabetes or diabetes?
Down and check and see if the level is up or down. What'd you have for dinner? What'd you have for lunch? Did you have too many or not enough? Get all the levels to shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, cause I'm alive. Yes, I'm alive. One minor was brought to you by our friends over at 405 Brewing, Norman's first brewery, where they are creatively brewing liquid art to share with the community. So if you're ever in my neck of the woods, be sure to check them out, and you can find out more information about their taproom hours on their website, 405brewing.com.